Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Greetings and welcome to episode 104 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Hey, I invite you to please follow the show on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter, just listed as the Sample Chapter Podcast, and we're on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service so you never miss an episode. And if you'd like to reach out to me, the email is samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. You know, this is one of those episodes where, uh, man, you know, when I interviewed Diane Franklin about her autobiography, I just, I I was like kind of in awe as a movie fan, thinking about my childhood and her movies. When I interviewed Steve Alton, I was a fan as a a reader, and, uh, you know, of course, of the movie that came out. This was one of those episodes that, as a writer myself, I just didn't want this to end. And... Oh my gosh, this was a lot of fun. I it made me wish that perhaps that you know <laughs> that maybe my show was something different. You know, I just wanted to I just wanted to sit and talk for the longest time and really pick his brain. I got a chance to talk with author, podcaster, and the influential YouTuber Michael Laron. Oh my gosh, you know, and and when I say influential, I mean he's got over eighteen thousand subscribers on his uh, YouTube channel alone. I don't know how many people are listening to his podcast but i'm one of them i never miss an episode and michael is is just awesome and what was really cool was i've been listening to him for a couple of years without knowing a whole lot about his books it's only been in the last six months or more that i've kind of checked out his books because i thought he just wrote some nonfiction things and then uh he mentioned on one of his shows uh one of his episodes he mentioned something about his uh a sci-fi and i was like oh wait has he talked about that before and I've just never noticed it or somehow, you know, missed it or what, what the heck was that? And went in and was looking it over and, oh yeah, he's got a whole bunch of sci-fi, fantasy, urban fantasy books. And I mean, he, he's, I mean, the man does it all. And that I got a chance to sit down and have a chat with him was just, uh, just incredible. He is every bit as nice in person through Skype <laughs> as he is on the air uh, and on his YouTube channel. I mean, just, you know, what you see, what you hear is exactly what you get. And uh, I, I would love to meet this guy sometime in person. We had a fantastic talk. And I, I say that a lot, but let me tell you, I mean, we got to hear about his secret sauce tips. And no, I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean like, his uh, tomato sauce or anything like that. I'm talking about his his secret sauce. Uh, this is his one of his languages from uh, from his shows. Gives his tips, you know, on on writing, on life, all that kind of stuff. Great information. Uh, we talk about mobile based writing, uh, which is something that he introduced to me through his show. We hear about his beginnings and his Frank Sinatra approach to to life and uh, work. And it's a really, really cool thing. And all this before we dive into his latest book, Shadow Deal, which he writes under the pseudonym M.L. McKnight. I'm reading it right now. I'm a few chapters in. It's got a very, uh, I was surprised. You know, it's an urban fantasy 
it's got a very noir kind of feel to it and uh, i'm really enjoying it so far and i think you are you're going to enjoy it as well so stay tuned for that it's coming up here in just a moment meanwhile please check out our sponsors you store all out of warrensburg missouri they are the premier self-storage facility around warrensburg they have two facilities both are fully fenced in gated you'll have your own private gate code more than 60 cameras recording 24 hours a day both facilities are well lit all night long with LED lighting, and they also run both facilities off of solar power. And one of the favorite things that people talk about this place is how clean it is. So they're not only green, but they're clean. So, <laughs> so check them out online at ustoreall.net. That is the letter U, S-T-O-R-A-L-L. I also want to thank, of course, my uh, longtime sponsor, Scrivener Writing Software. Hey, that is something that Michael is very well aware of because I know he uses it every day just like I do. And whether it's mobile-based writing, like uh, we talk about in this episode through the iOS app or the uh, or on my laptop or uh, desktop computer, whichever way it is, I use this every day. I know you're going to love it if you want to check it out. Make sure you uh, click the links in the show notes to get right on over to Scrivener's website. Listen up for an ad from them here in just a moment so you can find out how to save yourself 20%. And of course, I want to say thank you so much to our my friends over at Pop Goes the Culture Network. They share every episode of not just my show, but a whole slew of other shows over there. Uh, not all of them writing related. <laughs> they are the Pop Goes the Culture Network after all. Most of their shows are all about pop culture, movies, comic books gaming you name it it's all there and it's a lot of fantastic shows and blogs anything you're looking for pop culture wise it's there at popgoesculture.com so click the link in the show notes to find out more all right well that's our sponsors i've got one more spot to play for scrivener and then we're going to get right on over to our interview with the one and only michael laron Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, this week, I'm, not to use the same word twice so soon, but I am excited because I have I have a guest this week, uh, somebody I've been listening to and uh, examining from the outside, experiencing uh, from the digital world for a couple of years now. Uh, we have the one and only Michael Laron with us this week. You know, his list of accomplishments go on and on. The things that he does, it makes my head spin. He does so much. So I, I think I'm going to probably just, uh, you know, talk with him about what <laughs> the best way to introduce himself. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. 
It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Hey, like I said, I you do so much. It makes my head spin. I mean, author, podcaster, YouTuber, you're a member of uh, the Ally, which is the Alliance of Independence Authors. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you're also studying to be a, uh, a lawyer going into your final semester. I mean, oh my gosh. When, when, when you meet somebody for the first time, what do you tell them about yourself? <laughs> well, I, I ask them, hey, how, how much time do you have? And uh, why don't you pull up a chair? <laughs> no, thank you. You're, you're really kind. And um, yeah, I, I, it's, I, I have a personality where I just have to be doing a lot. I just have a very high octane personality. I get bored really easily. And so... You know, why not write a book and be a dad and be a husband and go to law school and volunteer my time and help writers and YouTube and all that stuff. It's just par for the course for me. I love it. I love it. It's something I mean, I can I can totally relate to that because it's when I started this show, I was finishing my first book and I was in the process. I, I was working two jobs at that time. And that's when I decided, like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing enough. I should start this show. And. But, you know, whenever I finally finished working that second job, when things finally got better for me, I had all the extra time. And for a while, it, it felt like, man, I'm not busy enough. I, I need to. I was really fumbling with my hands to try and keep myself busy for a little while. H how do you do it? How do I uh, balance all the time and, yeah. and all that? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I I Sometimes I find that I I just do it. I don't think about it. But one of the one of the big secrets and the, I guess the secret sauce to how I get so much done is number one is the fact that I wake up about five o'clock, five thirty every morning. And that's when I get my writing done. So I've got a puppy, a daughter and a rabbit <laughs> and a wife. My house is crazy most of the time starting at like eight o'clock onward. And so if I wake up at five o'clock in the morning, it's super quiet. I know I'm not going to be interrupted and I can focus and I can get a lot of things done because I'm a morning person. Um, secret sauce number two is that I write on my phone. So Scrivener is a, a major friend of this show. So I use the Scrivener iOS app. It was the best $20 I've ever spent. And I use that to write my novels when I'm on the go, because that's my lifestyle. I'm, I'm not at home most of the day. I'm, I'm always on the run. And so if I'm sitting at the doctor's office, I can use Scrivener to get some words in. If I'm standing in line at the grocery store, I can get a couple words in. And those little words here and there throughout the day add up in a really, really big way at the end of the month. And so those are the two secrets, I think, honestly, that I've been able to get anything meaningful done in my career. You know, I, I owe you a huge debt of gratitude. Um, I remember a while back, and I mean, I say a while back, but it was probably two years ago. I heard you talking with Kevin Tumlinson. I'm not sure which show it was on. But you and Kevin Thompson were talking about apps and such, and you talked about the Scrivener app, which I didn't realize, I think, at the time that there was one. And uh, so shortly afterwards, I went and got the app, and I finished my second book last year sitting in the theater waiting on Avengers uh, Endgame to start. And I'm sitting there finishing it up because it was just, you know, you're in that, that mode of, I've got to finish this, I've got to finish this. And, of course, I'm, I'm saving it at home. Went to the theater with my wife, and we're sitting there waiting, and I'm on my phone, and I, I showed it to her. I was like, look the end and i have you to thank for that because i dude that's awesome that there <laughs> that that is awesome and that's epic i, I bet you enjoyed the movie a heck of a lot more because <laughs> oh, you so were finished with the book you know <laughs> yes yes i mean literally like i i typed the end and within like the that was the last trailer was going at that time i missed all the other trailers and i'm, I'm a big trailer guy i gotta i want to know what's coming soon but 
I was totally into this, and yeah, after that, I was able to relax and watch the movie. So well, thank you so awesome. much for telling us about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I, I spread that word as much as I can because I, it's, it still amazes me how many people don't know about Scrivener iOS. And honestly, I think you and I are ahead of the curve because it's still not a mainstream thing to write on your phone. I say that, and a lot of people's heads still explode. Like, they look at me like I have 10 heads, <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if they have a head left, you know. And, um, yeah, so it's I, I think it's going to be the future. I think mobile-based writing is the future. Um, I think if, if I'd mentioned dictation to anybody, no one would bat an eyelash, right? It's so mainstream. It's so popular. But writing on your phone is still not there yet, and there's so much potential. Yeah, yeah, there really is. I, I surprised my writing group when we got together for NaNoWriMo this last year. I brought my phone and a Bluetooth keyboard instead of uh, instead of my laptop because my laptop was having problems at the time, but it worked out. I was like, all right, well, here we go. And everybody's just looking at me. Are you serious? You're writing <laughs> on your phone? I said, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. Well, so go back to the beginning. How, how long have you been writing now? Because now you've got a lot of books. Yes, I started writing in... Well, officially, I started writing in 2012, but I published my first book in 2014. And yeah, it's been, about, I guess, about six years now that I've uh, published. I've got about, it's pretty close to 50 books at this point. Um, I've, I've written science fiction, fantasy, nonfiction, which is like self-help for writers. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've written I've written a lot of different stuff. And I've always been the kind that when I first started, I said, okay, I'm going to go the hard road, and I know that it's going to be a royalty-challenged road, but I'm going to try to write in as many different genres as I can to figure out what I like because I, I'm the kind of reader, and I imagine a lot of people listening to this are kind of like me, where I, I didn't read just one genre of books growing up. And so when I became a writer, I said, well, I don't read just one genre. Why would I write just one genre? And so... I've done a lot of experimenting, and it's just been a really fun ride um, these past six years. <laughs> it, feel, it feels like much longer, and at the same time, it feels like I just published yesterday because things change so fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I was just speaking with another author here a while back about that, too, because they, much like yourself, they like writing in different genres under their own name with that, and they, they said the same thing. It, it helps enrich them. It keeps everything interesting. And it allows them to just continue to have fun with the process. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, it's your career. And you want to be able to write books that fulfill you, right? And you also want to be able to write books that fulfill you that also make you money. And if money is your end game, ideally, that money is going to be money that sustains your family and, and pays all your bills. And so... Do it the way that you want to do it. And I've always said, you know, I, I take the, the Frank Sinatra approach. You know, when I'm when I'm six feet under, I want to have done it my way. Right. And I want to be happy with what I've done. And yes, I will have made some mistakes. But at the end of the day, we, we're so fortunate to live in, in a writing age where writers really can do whatever they want. Their choices are 100 percent theirs. You own every choice you make. And, and that scares a lot of people. Because you could just as easily fail, <laughs> but you could just as easily succeed. You just you just have to own your choices, and uh, I think I, I, I've taken full advantage of that. Very cool. You seem to have going over your list, uh, checking things out online here. You you seem to have a real fascination for the sci-fi fantasy world. Would that be a good assumption? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I've written uh, I've written science fiction with androids. I've written a space opera. I've written urban fantasy. Um, one of my series is around a dream mage, somebody that can manipulate people's dreams. I've written fantasy that's like um, like a mix between urban fantasy and dark fantasy with dragons. I have a Last Dragon Lord series. It's about a bloodthirsty, narcissistic dragon who's kind of like a mix between Richard III and Francis Underwood. Um, that's the Last Dragon Lord. And yeah, so f- sci-fi and fantasy has always captivated me as a kid. I played a lot of video games, RPGs, and uh, adventure games growing up. And so that's that's ultimately what I leaned toward when I started writing. Oh, very cool. And you also have all these nonfiction books helping out the uh, the indie author the uh, poet rock star and formatting and uh, so many others. I mean, you really do a lot of great stuff on here. I mean, not, not just, not just with the writing, but then also going into your shows that you do that are helping authors everywhere. What, what inspired you to want to do a, start a show of your own? Yeah. So I have, well, I do. First off, I should say for writers that are listening, I have a YouTube channel and it's called author level up and it's every Friday. I publish videos that are dedicated toward helping you write better books faster. And I started off the level up in 2014 and I thought, you know, I'm not doing enough. (laughs) I'm not doing enough. So, so why don't I start a podcast? And I started a podcast in 2018 and it was a complete, like I, this was one of the things where I, I figured like everyone, every, every once in a while in your career, you know that you do something that you know is going to just fizzle out. And I started a podcast as like an audio journal. And I call it the Writer's Journey Podcast, and it's every Thursday, and it's me just turning on the microphone and talking about what's on my mind and what I'm going through as as a writer. And the tagline of the series is, you know, watch me as I go from nobody to best-selling author. Um, and, it, it, and I'm just documenting every step of the way. So whatever I learn, I pass it along as I learn it. And I didn't think in a million years anyone would listen to the show. Like when I first started it, it was one one listener, five listeners, <laughs> and some of those were me because I was listening to it to make sure it sounded okay. <laughs> uh, now, I mean, the show the show surpasses about two thousand listeners a month, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, because it's really just about my experience. Um, and uh, it, I'm actually celebrating as as I, as we record this, I'm celebrating episode one hundred. So it'll be a hundred episodes, of, and it, it's really cool, and it's been really well received. And I have another show, if you can believe it, in addition to my YouTube channel and this show, and it's called Writing Tip of the Day. So you can listen to that off the level up dot com slash writing tip of the day. And it's a writing tip every day in about three minutes or less. And I, I designed it for the Amazon Alexa devices because, you know, it's really easy. You can just consume it and be on with your day. But a lot of people listen to it on podcasts as well. And I don't know. I've just had really good mentors throughout my career, and it's been really important for me to pay it forward. And I, I, I'm not somebody that holds myself off as like a writing coach. I'm really just somebody that's really no different than any average author. I'm, I'm just working really hard, and I'm just trying to trying to help the community and leave it better than I found it. That you know, and that there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of the the value I find in your show and what and what got me uh, attached to it and coming back every week is that you are very real you're very down to earth and it's it's solid advice and uh, and I like that too that you also keep it fairly short it doesn't go on for like an hour and a half or or something along those lines you, you keep you have a message that you want to talk about and it's very conversational 
And honestly, I feel I find myself going, oh man, it's already over by the time it's <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you listening to it. And it, it's it's a fun thing for me to do. And um, it, it's kind of a really cool way to document your process and, and your progress as you move forward. Because like I, I look back at the early episodes of the show and it's like, wow, I've come a really long way. And but, yeah, you can definitely consume it and the time it takes you to drive to work. Yeah, absolutely. So in your time as a writer, since 2012, when you first began and you started getting the books put out, you started your shows, you've been doing all these things. Do you have a lesson that you've learned about yourself over that time? Yeah, Mike, the biggest lesson that I've learned over the years is to not be afraid of anything. I think that a lot of writers struggle with confidence issues. I, I think that it's rare, it's rare to meet a writer that doesn't have some sort of confidence problem. I, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's biological, but if you write books by the, by your very nature, you have some level of confidence or self-doubt that you have to wrestle with. And there's no one in the world that can teach you confidence. Like you, you can't go out and buy a $297 course that will teach you confidence. It just doesn't exist. The best way to learn confidence and to eliminate that self-doubt is just to pretend that you have it. Because most people aren't, most people aren't going to know the difference. <laughs> you know, you can't tell if someone's faking confidence versus whether they actually have it. And that means, it means being courageous and not being afraid to write something that might not sell. It means being courageous and not being afraid to experiment with Amazon ads or to do something different or to experiment with a new type of way to monetize your work or to get your voice out there. Like I talked about starting a podcast that I was 100% sure was going to fail. And that actually ended up being one of the more successful and wiser things that I've ever done. And it's, it's learning how to silence that voice in your head. If you can do that, if you can be courageous and, and exhibit confidence, then what I have learned over the past six years is that the entire world is open to you. There's nothing that you can't do, but you have to learn to be able to get over that hump. And that's a lesson, like I said, it's taken me six years to learn that in, in different and varying degrees. But I just hope that someone listening to this will just wake up one morning and say, you know what? There's nothing in this world to be afraid of. I'm just going to go after it. I'm going to write what I want to write. I, I don't care if it's bad. I don't care if people don't like it. And I'm just going to get it out into the world. I I agree completely. I, you know, and it's like you said there. Um, for me, with this show, I had had no experience. I had no idea what I was doing. I recorded my first few episodes on my iPhone, and uh, just kind of put it out there. But it's uh, I had fun with it, and uh, you know, helping out authors every week, doing this show, it just kind of became a part of who I am now. And uh, yeah. I, Keeping at it, just like our writing, I have gained confidence, and uh, I think that's that's amazing advice. That's well said. Yeah, thank you. And, and how many episodes do you have for this podcast? I actually just celebrated a hundred on uh, Christmas Eve. Oh wow! Congratulations, that's awesome. <laughs> well, and that's 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 exactly it. It's consistency. Even if even it, no matter what you do, even if you write ten books and you don't have an audience, so to speak, of if you keep publishing, eventually people are going to find you. You know, it's, it's just about showing up. And that's that's why this show, I mean, it's 100 episodes of the show, right? I mean, that that takes courage, <laughs> you know, when you first start <laughs> off in, in a podcast. And so, like I said, I mean, this is a perfect example. 
you know, consistency is key and, and just don't be afraid to show up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, your, your most recent book, Shadow Deal, The Good Necromancer, uh, is your new series. Uh, tell us, tell us a little bit about this. Yeah. So I, I have, I, I started this show by talking about how I wanted to write in a lot of different genres and experiment. And I found throughout those experiments that I really like urban fantasy. I gravitate toward it. It's that comfort genre that, you know, if I, I don't know what I'm going to write next, I can usually always come up with an urban fantasy idea. And so I, I was looking at my sales and looking at ways to improve uh, my branding. And I, I realized that one of the problems with writing in a lot of different genres under the same pen name is that you pollute your also bots. Because if someone buys my space opera series, they're probably not going to necessarily buy my urban fantasy series. And so what was happening is I was suffering with the Amazon discoverability. So what I said was, why don't I do this? Why don't I sit down and create a new pen name and I'll dedicate that pen name solely to urban fantasy. And I'm going to, it's going to be like starting fresh. And I actually, in the process of writing this book, I actually documented everything. So I actually, I wrote this book in public on in front of my audience my YouTube audience and my fiction audience, they could actually read the chapters as I wrote it. And I actually ended up creating a course around this whole thing on, on how to learn how to write to market. So how can I, how can I create urban fantasy and how can I write it to market? And then how can I do it in front of everybody with the huge risk of failure? <laughs> Cause it's almost like being a debut writer, right? Right. Uh, one new novel. So I created a new pen name and it's called ML McKnight. And so moving forward, that's going to be my exclusive urban fantasy pen name. And this book is about a necromancer who is an ex-necromancer. And the reason he's an ex-necromancer is because when he was using his powers, he made a deal with a demon, and that demon betrayed him and killed his family. And as a result, it completely destroyed him, and he has spent the last seven years completely renouncing uh, his, his ability to control the dark arts, and he's just a shell of his former self. And... Lo and behold, some things happen in the story and um, an old friend ends up in danger and he finds himself having to use his powers for good. And so that's why I call the series The Good Necromancer. Very cool. Oh, my gosh. This is this is a cool story. And I, I can't wait to hear about this. And I love the covers on. Uh, actually, I love all of your covers. I mean, they all draw me in, but yeah. I, I keep looking at this one as well. So do you do your own covers? I don't. If I did my own covers, um, I would have zero sales. <laughs> no, this cover, this cover was done by Bookfly. Uh, they're, they're a pretty good company. Uh, they do some really good covers in the urban fantasy genre. And, um, I thought it was important, you know, me being a person of color to, to, to write a book that's got a person of color as a main character on the cover. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. So they did a really good job with the series. Yeah, I would say so. It looks it looks amazing, and like I said, I can't wait to hear about this. Well, Michael, I've I've had a fantastic time. It feels like the time is just too short. That's the one thing about doing the show is it's it's always a short introduction to a new author. And man, I I just I would love to hear more, but uh, you know, I know I could always just tune into your show every week. So tell the listeners uh, where can they find and follow you. Yeah, absolutely. This has been great. And you can find me if you're interested in my fiction. You can, um, if you like what you just heard about The Good Necromancer, you can find that at mlmcknight.com slash shadow deal. That'll have all the links to it. If you're interested in any of the writing things that I've said, if any of that has resonated with you, you can find me at authorlevelup.com. That's where you'll find all the links to my books. 
uh, my YouTube channel and all the podcasts that I've got going on. Fantastic. Yep. And I'll also have links to all of this in the show notes to ML McKnight, the podcast, the uh, YouTube channel. And of course, anybody who is subscribed to the YouTube channel on my show, you'll see that I have a link to his show on the uh, the one side column there as well. So because, uh, you know, that's something I do follow. So I think you should do the same. Everybody check this out. And uh, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Laron under the name ML Knight Shadow Deal, the good necromancer. Chapter One I hate traveling to the spirit world. It's foggy, and the air has a sulfuric smell to it. Wailing phantoms circle the sky. Hordes of demons crawl over the shifting landscape like roaches. Not my idea of fun on a Friday night. I shivered, flipped the collar on my beige gabardine up, and faced a topsy-turvy landscape of mist, rock, and grass. Legless spirits wander across the grass here and there, like kites in a lazy breeze. Their core shone with golden light. A rash of sparkling phantoms clustered in the orange sky, dozens of ghoulish faces twisting and contorting upon themselves in pain. Not much had changed in the seven years since I'd last been here. Back then, I was foolish enough to think that I could understand this place, tame it, and harness its power. I didn't understand what fear truly was yet. I had a wife, a teenage son, and a daughter, a family. Necromancy took them all from me. When you practice the dark arts, that's what happens. You lose the people that matter most, and you don't realize how much you've screwed up until there's a giant hole in your heart that nothing and nobody can fix. Yes, I'm a necromancer. Well, ex-necromancer. I don't like to talk about it. I had left the dark arts behind me, swore I'd never practice them again. Now I was here in the spirit world, battered and with only one prayer left. I said I'd never visit this place again as long as I lived, and I'd meant it. Never say never, I guess. I stood on a rocky outcrop, looking down over an endless chasm of stars where a gray river of souls flowed down like a mighty waterfall. I could see their faces in the rush, pained, anxious, languid as sin. They brushed against one another as they poured over the rock. Somewhere far below, something laughed a chilling, bone-shaking laugh that wasn't human. The souls moaned in response, sending a wave of fear through me. The ground rumbled, nearly bringing me to my knees. Lester Broussard, the voice shouted. You will die and join these souls. Damn, I didn't expect to run into trouble this soon. The ground rumbled again and something clawed itself up the rock. Whatever it was, I didn't want to stick around to find out. I was back to the place I said I'd never return to because I needed help. Now I had another problem. It knew me by name and it wanted my blood. Keep standing there and you'll be breakfast, Cecilia said next to me. She had been quiet since I arrived, waiting to speak at the right time. Cece's voice had a dull edge that only the dead have. She wrinkled her lips in concern as the ground shook. I don't want to be here another minute, let alone forever, I said. I asked you for help. Now I need it times two. Cece hurried ahead, a streak of red and blue in her red shirt dress and jeans. Marble spikes jutted out of the dress at the shoulders, speckled with glittering diamonds. Her blonde hair was almost platinum in the ethereal light. She had a smooth, flowing motion in death, the kind that only a few are fortunate to develop. She was just as beautiful as I remembered, and then some, 
except she was as pale as plaster. I didn't want to think of my old friend's face as cadaverous, but it was hollowed out, making the contours of her skull more prominent. I jogged after her on stiff knees, gritting my teeth. How hurt are you? she asked. I ducked my hands into my pockets. The cuts on my palms pulsed like stars. I'm all right, I said, grimacing. A deep, sadistic laugh boomed across the realm. How far do we have to go? I asked. Can we make it? Cece waved a hand. A dirt path wove itself into the tall grass, snaking off into the mist. Shouldn't be too long, she said. Aside from whatever's chasing us, your bigger problem is making sure we don't run into Halgeron. He won't be happy to see you. I'll take the risk, I said, as a phantom screamed down from the sky and exploded in a dazzle of fire. I didn't want to think about the Lich King learning that I'd returned to the spirit world after all this time. I lost a bet and still owed him. I'd have even bigger problems if he showed up. I pushed Halgeron's desiccated skeletal face out of my mind. We continued up the path as fast as we could without running. My side burned with pain and I winced, clutching it. Cece hooked her arm under mine and I leaned against her. She smelled like wildflowers and rain mixed with rot. I miss the old days, Cece said, glancing skyward where a phantom turned into a blue and white aurora. I've missed you, Lester. I sensed a vibration coming from her, from her soul. Pure energy, pure power hidden behind all her grace. I missed you too, I said, in a platonic way. My emotions have grown stronger in death, but no, I didn't mean it that way. Maybe there had been something between us when she was among the living, but I was married then and tried to ignore it. You're not going to ask me to join you here, are you? I asked. Beg me to come back to the craft? The ground sloped upward and I groaned. This hill would not be kind to my knees. A strong tremor ripped across the grass, almost knocking us off our feet. Lester Broussard, the voice screamed again. Lester Broussard, let me flay your soul, Lester Broussard. What happened all those years ago was that you pissed off the wrong demon, Cece said, as if we weren't being chased. How she could maintain her poise throughout all of this baffled me. It was just a bad first experience. Aside from some wicked asshole demons, the spirit world really isn't that bad. You say that as we're getting chased by a wicked asshole demon, I said. Cece pulled me closer as I stumbled over a rock. I know you're in mourning, she said, over your family, but I want you to know that they don't hold you responsible. Your wife, Amira, and your son, Marcus, they told me no, I said, shaking my head. Just hearing their names made me want to curl up into a ball on the rocks. I stopped and scolded at her. Don't say their names. Don't you dare. I don't have the heart to summon them. You know that. You've tried to forget your family then, Cece said. I see. Listen, I snapped. I can't just summon my dead family, Cece, and tell them, what, that I'm sorry I got them killed? I glanced behind us. A giant scorpion tail appeared over the edge of the rock, followed by huge claws that staked themselves into the ground, pulling a huge brown mass upward, like two stories tall huge. My stomach dropped. You've walled off your spirits so much that they can't reach you, Cece said. No one can. It's not healthy to isolate your soul this way, Lester. It's not healthy to get mauled by a big scorpion thing either, I said, pointing to the monster behind us. Hurry up before I get dead and can't argue with you anymore. A piercing scream sounded in the mist. Whatever the thing was, 
It was on our level now. I groaned again, trying to run, and Cece fell quiet as she pulled me up the hill. My knees screamed as we climbed. When you've had multiple knee injuries, you tend to hate hills and stairs. I pushed through the pain. A blackened, broken city lay in the distance. It jutted in and out of the mist like a nightmare. Jagged skyscrapers tore at the sky. It was my home, St. Louis, Missouri. Well, a demented version of it. This St. Louis was born of the fear and loathing in the souls of the dead, a spiritual manifestation of all the unfinished business they left behind in our world, a parallel existence that intersected with our own. We stood underneath the gateway arch. It was scorched and missing its exterior here and there, exposing its innards of lattice steel. The top center was missing, like something had taken a giant bite out of it. Creep me the hell out. What would it take to get you back into the craft? Cece asked. Nothing, I said firmly. This is just temporary. Cece folded her arms. So you're telling me that there's nothing that could compel you to take up your true calling. Nothing on earth in the spirit world or in the plains. You said it, not me, I said. This is what you were meant to be, Cece said. Not anymore, I said. So you didn't love it, she asked. I remembered Cece when she was alive. The time we spent learning spells in my garage and conjuring the dead in graveyards. We were something. That was the years before everything went to hell for me. And yes, I did love the time we spent together, sick and twisted as it was. Cece, I don't mean to be rude, I said, pointing to the mist behind us. But I've had a lot of time to think about that day, Cece said. The day when she stopped, choosing her words carefully. Her blue eyes were like Pacific waves. You know, the day my son died, I said, refusing to think about the worst day of my life. Yeah, the hell I do know. But Cece, now isn't the time. You shouldn't blame yourself, Cece said. Her eyes burned with passion as she took me by the shoulders. It wasn't your fault. Death changes your perspective. I see the entire situation differently now than I'm on the other side. That's all I'm saying. You made your point, I said, understanding her scheme. Sneaky she was. All right, all right. I'll think about talking to my family, okay? Will you stop stalling and help me out already? A clever smile crept across her face. This looks like a good spot. The monster screamed, the sound multiplying itself several times over. Rumble. Scream. Rumble. Rumble. Cece waved a hand, and blue light rippled from her fingers washing over the rotten grass, peeling it up and rolling it back like carpet. I shielded my eyes for a moment. When the light faded, a gray pool swirled before us. Smoke billowed off the cloudy surface. Cece waved her hand again, and a metal dock forged itself out of the mist and led down to the surface of the water. That was impressive, I said. She seemed to beam with pride, but her smile faded. Part of me felt guilty for not wanting to celebrate her new powers, but... I focused on the surface of the pool where, where small blisters bubbled as we approached. A few dozen souls moved in the monochrome depths, gold and gray human apparitions brushing against each other. Their movement made bubbles in the water that popped on the surface. This is your current harvest? I asked. Cece smiled. They're fresh, too. They haven't been tamed yet. Jesus, I said. You make them sound like animals. You know what I meant, Cece said. Well... I never thought I'd be doing this again. Our pursuer was closer now. 
I could see the scorpion tail bobbing and human hands moving underneath it with swords for nails. The hands scratched against the grass, carrying the beast forward. A regular person would have had a heart attack on the spot upon seeing this thing. I don't know what it says about me that I didn't. Cece tapped me on the shoulder. Let's find you a good soul so we can create your servant, she said. And that was the incredible Michael Laurent, writing under the pseudonym M.L. McKnight and reading from his latest urban fantasy book, Shadow Deal. I'm telling you, I'm really enjoying the book. I think you will too. So click the link in the show notes for this book, Michael's YouTube, his podcast, everywhere that you can find Michael. And be sure to click the links for our friends and sponsors alike. Check them out. I know they'll appreciate it, and I definitely will appreciate it if you do that. And as always, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next time when I come back with an all-new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thanks for coming back, everybody. We'll see you again real, real soon. <laughs>